You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoman Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome. Okay, I actually have a guest in the studio today. <laughs> and she's just going, oh my God, oh my God. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's Joanne, and she is a longtime student of astrology, and she'll get to ask me questions when I, you know, run off into some strange tangent. Tangent. Yes, good word, good word. Okay, so on today's show, um, if and I hope you were listening last week to my 2020 in, you know, like forecasting for what's coming up, um, I did run out of time. Ha! Huh, what a shock. I think it's the first time on this show that I've actually done that. So I will pick up from where I left off in theory on uh, the forecast for 2020. Um, and I will actually get to Prime Minister Scott Morrison's chart from Australia. And just as a reminder for this episode, um, I am using whole sign houses to keep this simple. You can email me for a PDF of your chart with this house system at maureen at cardinalastrology.ca. I have also created a planetary movement calendar from 2020, and it is up on my Facebook page, um, Cardinal Astrology Facebook page, and I will also post it on the website with today's show. So continuing on, um, I left off around fall of 2020. I believe I was waxing eloquently on the joys of Mars in Aries with his station to turn direct in November. And that would have represented nine weeks of Mars retrograde in Aries. As you may recall, Mars will basically be motionless in the sky for much of November, occupying 15 to 16 degrees of Aries, which in turn puts pressure on those same degrees in Libra, Cancer, and Capricorn. All of those who have these degrees prominent in their charts need to practice breathing long before November. <laughs> now, before I go any further, let's look at Mars through the houses. And because this is literally almost six months of Mars in Aries, um, knowing where that Mars is going to show up in your chart um, will give you an idea of where your particular type of breath needs to happen. Um, and if you remember, I said, you know, this Mars can create conditions that are either lethargic or berserker. So you get sort of those two extremes. Um, and something within that house may need to be, you may need to put the energy, Mars, towards redoing it, rethinking it. Yeah, that type of stuff. So if this Mars is in your first house, of course, it's all about you, your health and personality. And I vote that Mars ha asks you to just do a makeover. The alternative is not so much fun. And I can see Joanne's wondering, well, put my chart up so I can at least see where it's going to be. And that's an excellent idea. I will do that. So, and someone else is reminding me to bring the microphone with me. So I am, the program that I use is Solar Fire and Okay, Joanne, you see yourself? Yep. 
Right there. She goes, yeah. Right there. <laughs> okay, so her Mars, oh, and this doesn't have whole signs. Let's do it. Let's do it again. And let's edit it and put it in whole sign houses. Um, and that just, uh, for this type of thing, just makes way more, no, let's see now. Where are we? Where's whole sign? I can tell I may run out of time again today, oh, yeah. but that's all right. I'd rather run out than not have enough. Okay, so here we go. Now she gets to see it. So her Aries will be the sixth house. So when I get to the sixth house, she's going to pay attention. All right. Oh, yeah. Microphone back. Ow. Sorry. Okay, so, um, right, Mars in the first house. The, the alternative to the makeover is not much fun. Health issues will require attention and endurance. Patience is a concept that Aries must embrace, and especially with themselves. So that's Mars, that's six months of Mars there. Uh, Mars in the second house, all about your resources, financial earning capacity, literal assets, what you value, defending or desperate or attacking, working on clarity, not blind action. And so, you know, there could be stress here. You don't feel you have enough resources or, you know, you unexpectedly get a job change. And you're just gonna have to like, let the anger not necessarily dictate how you handle that passage. Mars third house can be not about yourself. It could be about your siblings. Um, it, it's also connected to local connections, travel, and education. This area will probably call on the patient stuff if your siblings are playing out this role. Otherwise, be prepared for entering into, into some forms of education. Yes, you can endure this without resorting to angry melodrama. Yes, you can make those trips connections with uh, this too shall pass. Think uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, Mars in the fourth house. This passage will be one of the harder ones, which has been receiving the square from the Capricorn group in earnest since January uh, of 2018. If your home has been the focus, repairs, moving, buying, selling, etc., as November ends, you should see matters moving again. With family, it could be parents. Uh, they may require your attention in an enduring style. A huge, again, dollop of patience will serve. Uh, Mars in the fifth house. Remember, you love your children. If gambling is in your cards, uh, don't. Okay, so fifth house, don't gamble. Uh, creative and play and romance will return to normal after the redos or the renewals, okay? So yeah, you might just go through a major shift in the way you approach your creativity, that type of thing. But again, remember, you do love your children. Uh, Mars in the sixth house. Okay, so this is for Joanne. Uh, daily routine and health issues, subordinates, a job. Okay, so those are the areas. Persistence, not lethargy or roaring resistance when it comes to daily routine or health issues. Breathing rather than ripping a strip from a subordinate. <laughs> so as she imagines how that might play out. Yes, I can hear the laughter. I get it. Okay, Mars in the seventh house. This is one of the arenas that has been under stress since January of 2018 um, from that Capricorn group. 
are you making progress since the September station? That was the first week of September. If yes, you will know you are in the final stretch in November. So this is a rejigging of major relationships, partnerships. Um, so it can also affect business. Uh, time, okay, so final stretch in November. Time then to get used to the changes. The pressures here will downgrade significantly after December when both Jupiter and Saturn leave Capricorn. Mars in the eighth house uh, is about taxes, endurance, patience, and realizing who has the power in the situation. Here I'm thinking of CRA. They probably do in the end win. Um, your partner's resources may take a hit. And unfortunately, there could also be the death of something. Moving on after November becomes easier. Wills and inheritance, this journey should get easier after November or December because those processes are never pleasant and unfortunately having uh, Mars retrograde and stationing and doing all that nonsense there. Um, I, my heart goes out to those who are having to deal with that stuff this year. Mars in the ninth house, foreign travel, higher education, religion, philosophy, courage, being patient with yourself. This is time is not about being dogmatic. Let the changes that are required happen. You know, so if your boss says you've got to go out of country, just breathe and do it. Um, if you've got to take a course again, just breathe and do it. <laughs> Like I say, Mars and Aries, breathing, breathing. Everybody remember that. Okay, Mars in the 10th house. Challenged or challenging? Courage and endurance have you changed for the better? Can this time produce a win-win in your community, your profession, and your reputation? Okay, Mars in the 11th house. This may be the easiest passage and could be a snooze fest. The basic keywords can be applied if needed. When friends, social community, good fortune, patience and endurance, well, I don't know, do you need patience and endurance for things that are easy? Yeah. I'll be curious to actually hear if anybody has that one and what their experience is like. Mars in the 12th, okay, the last and the worst. Uh, this is the house of confinement or solitude uh, when it comes to mental health or chronic disease. My sense here is that the challenges have been ongoing and now require serious effort. A new strategy should come out of the redo that begins in September. Other important, okay, so that's it for the houses. Now, I, um, yeah, I should have had a little break there, so I'm putting one in. Okay, so Mars also, during this whole time frame that it's cruising through Aries, um, will also be making square aspects to that lump in Capricorn, and that would be a square to Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn. And in theory, there should, typically, you do get three passes of a transit. Um, and But he will be doing this with a twist. Uh, now, I thought it was time that I might sort of explain the three hit scenario, which is very common, though one hit wonders do happen as well as five hit scenarios. These multiple hits transits occur because of the apparent retrograde motion of planets from our perspective here on Earth. The experience of the three hit scenarios I usually describe as having the following qualities. First hit usually will outline or underline exactly what is going to be up for a change. 
people do not always agree with what the universe is saying is going to change, and the first hit can be most intense. Second hit, this is when the planet who is kicking up the issues is in retrograde motion. The issues highlighted now need change now. My hope is that with foreknowledge, clients can already be in the change mode. The third hit, this can be when clients get really concerned about the light of at the end of the tunnel is, and they always ask, tell me it's not a train approaching. Or they are so tired and fed up with the process that the whining begins. But what is usually highlighted now is missed pieces and stuff the client thought they could sneak by. Now usually Mars's process does not get a lot of attention, but this particular transit has this greater length and it is occurring in Mars' home domicile of Aries, which is typically not interested in any kind of review or being thwarted. So ergo, we will all probably notice this passage. The following dates are given with the hope you pay attention to where you are and who you are with for possible um, scenarios that you get to work with. Okay, so Jupiter squares from Mars can be get the job done. Energy, this is lots of energy. This is not uh, a dogmatic fight that is probably, if you go that route, you'll be wasting your energy. So the dates, the first hit, August 4th, uh, and the degree is 19 degrees, uh, and this would be Aries is at, or Mars is at 19 degrees of Aries, Jupiter is at 19 degrees of Capricorn. Second hit, October the 18th, again at 19 degrees. But here's the twist, the last hit is not until 2021, and both Mars and Jupiter will have changed signs. Uh, Mars from Aries to Taurus, Jupiter from Capricorn to Aquarius. This leads me to think that the outcome of the first two hits will result in a qualitative shift as well. On a personal level, if you have those 19 degrees in your chart, the challenge to act due will change to consolidate and defend. Next up with a swim similar twist is Mars uh, squaring Saturn. Uh, actions runs into limitations. This is often described as Mars with its foot on the accelerator, Saturn with its foot on the brake, not pretty, <laughs> standoff and crashes, uh, or just literally no action. So the first hit is August the 24th and it is at 26 degrees of those cardinal signs. Second hit, September 29th at, again, at 25 degrees. Uh, and the third hit, so both of them will have moved into different signs is January the 13th, 2021 at three degrees of Aquarius. The last hit requires respect for differences and the planting of seeds for future collaborations. Now the Mars square Pluto will go through its series all in Capricorn. This combo ups the ante dramatically putting all of Mars symbols in very large capital letters. This makes the, ray, the retrograde period particularly tough. The dates for this are first hit August 13th at 23 degrees of cardinal signs. Uh, 
second hit October 9th at 22 degrees and remember that is where the conjunction next week is at do 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 no <laughs> anyway third hit December 23rd at 23 degrees Okay, if you have these degrees prominent, I would hire someone to mentor you through this period so getting carried away does not add to the situation. You probably need scissors, not an axe, to get it done. Okay, enough of Mars. Uh, the last quarter of 2020, of course, has the last Mercury retrograde for the year. He stations on October 13th at 11 degrees of Scorpio. And just to make sure we don't miss the Mars detail, Mars is opposed the sun the same day. Mars, of course, is ruling that Scorpio. Mercury bringing in the current Mars challenges of endurance or not. Communication will not be quiet or reasonable, but loud and intense. Ooh, wait, Mercury is also opposed Uranus. <laughs> this is going to be goofy next year. Um, I will obviously be talking more directly to each of these moments in my weekly show, but yeah. What a bombshell we will be seeing this week. Mercury will back up into Libra and station direct on November the 4th at 25 degrees of Libra, having made squares to the Capricorn group, reminding us that what began in 2018 is still having its say. Jupiter also conjoins Pluto for the last time 12 years before these two get together again. This is an opportunity if you can see around the Mars challenges that occur with his station, um, the date is November the 12th, just two days before the Mars station. And what the heck was I writing there? I did not reread this section. You can hardly tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, being human is just so much fun. Uh, the start of the... <laughs> okay, so what I moved on to was the eclipse, the first eclipse in the new series, which is going to be on the axis of Gemini Sagittarius. Um, and eclipse cycles in a particular sign last about 18 months. And the first one, the full moon eclipse, also highlights royal fixed stars at eight degrees of Gemini Sag, and it is on November the 30th. If you have heavy emphasis in mutable signs, which would be Gemini, Sagittarius, Pisces, Virgo, take note. And if this time frame and issues stay, this time frame, these issues um, will stay on your agenda for the next six months. You can also look back to 2011 and 2012 for clues to this to this type of eclipse cycle and its probable impacts and topics. December marks the end of extreme Capricorn. Yay! 2021 is going to feel very different. The cardinal signs are gonna take a break and the fixed signs will pick up the load. And the mutable signs, of course, will be getting their turn as eclipses. The winter solstice at 2.02 a.m. on the 21st shows us the new energetic. Jupiter-Saturn conjuncts on December 21st at 10.55 a.m., okay, so a little past uh, the, the winter solstice, at zero degrees of Aquarius. Now, I've put that chart up, and it would be with 
episode number 11. So you can print that off and have a look at it. Uh, so these, the cycle between Jupiter and Saturn, and I was not aware of this, they're 200 year long cycles. And um, this last one has obviously been 200 years of those two getting together for their conjunction in Earth signs. Now it's going to change and we have another 200 year period where it will now be conjoining only in air signs. Yeah. So the fact that this is Aquarius, um, so, and, and I'm starting to see this out there on the web that people are saying, okay, officially this is the start of the age of Aquarius. Yeah. They've been saying that for a few decades, but hey, this could be it. <laughs> Anyway, so we're going from consolidating Earth cycle to a dispersal because it's an air sign. And so things move out. They don't condense. Okay, a major shift energetically. Uh, dense physical concrete to intellectual rigor. Now Saturn into Aquarius, we had a preview, or we're, we're about to get a preview this spring. Uh, from March 21st to July 1st, um, and it's about, or we've had the preview, pardon me, okay, and that was this spring, March to July. Uh, so social restructuring of Capricorn will take a back seat to architecting, I don't even think that's a word, but I invented it, um, what are the probabilities, how to construct the way to get to the future? And this is Saturn in Aquarius. Are we going to create a dystopia or a utopia? Moving from the dark feminine to day masculine. Definitely more active. Um, and another way that it's put is uh, Aquarius is architect of the future. Okay, so... This will be our first taste of Saturn square Uranus will start in 2021. Um, and that'll be a little exciting. I have this feeling <laughs> because it's in fixed signs um, and it will dominate through uh, 2021. And Mars, of course, will be along for that ride um, occasionally, not all the time, but occasionally. Okay. Saturn with the emergency break, Mars on with the foot. And in particular, this is the 30th, 31st. Um, we'll get some hit of that. Okay, now. How am I doing for time, folks? Okay. All right, yeah. So we are going to move on to what's in the news. Yes. Can you tell me what a royal star is? Um, okay, so I have not spent a lot of time, well, I haven't spent any time, actually, let's be truthful about this. Okay, so the fixed stars, and this goes back to even in the Hellenistic period, actually, they were even very much on top of the fixed stars, because that helped them to see where the planets were moving, right, because they were the wandering stars against that backdrop of fixed stars. And so most astrology programs will give you a list. And as she's saying this, she's going to drag the microphone over. And I will show you your list of what stars are aspecting your chart. So you have Bellatrix with Jupiter. You have Regulus with your nodes. You have Aegean 
uh, with your ascendant and your part of fortune has, and I can't even pronounce those. <laughs> but yeah, so around the elliptic, there okay. are those fixed stars. Yeah, good, good question. Thank you. Yeah, so apparently that first eclipse on the Sag-Gemini axis is lined right up with two uh, royal stars. Yeah. So there are books written about that subject, um, and there are astrologers that pay a lot of attention to who's, yeah, to those aspects. Yeah. Thank you. You are welcome. Thank you for the question. Okay, so in the news, um, just because last week this guy was like not really on top of the fact that his country was massively on fire and people were starting to get a little... Uh, choked about that I thought I need to look at his chart and so um, yeah and I also in this past week was able to because I didn't get to his chart last week I listened to uh, a reporter interviewing um, another fellow uh, from his party that he is in he's in a liberal party in Australia Scott Morrison and his own party is not very happy with his response to the, the crisis Okay, so Scott was born May 13th, 1968 in Sydney, Australia. We do not have a birth time. His chart poses one of the interesting scenarios that can happen when you don't have a birth time. The moon actually changed signs on the day he was born. So he has, or he could possibly have either a Scorpio moon or a Sagittarius moon. This can help an astrologer in the process of rectification, which is coming up with a birth time. My personal opinion is that he likely has a moon in Sag, and why I think that? Well, his dogmatic stance on climate denial. This would make Jupiter more prominent, and it is in Leo, a story that becomes fixed and unchanging, which his Taurus son will anchor to. I know that his occupation before politics was in marketing, so Moon in Sag, not Scorpio again. That would make more sense, at least in my mind. Before he became uh, a politician, so the marketing, he was involved in tourism and sports. He has Saturn in Aries, Mars in Gemini. This fits that profile to me. I actually picked 1 p.m. for a birth time, which would put that Moon in the fifth house of sports and tourism. Jupiter would be in the first house, which would could mean promotion and being the promoter. This puts his Taurus son in the 10th house, which is not uncommon for people to have when they assume major roles out in the world. What surprised me in reading his bio is that he is a liberal. Taurus and in, few, in the few political charts that I've looked at lately, they have been right-leaning po politicians, not liberals. So that leads to me to think, you know, their, their definition, Australian definition of liberal is not the same as ours. <laughs> anyway, Taurus connection can be quite staunch in their beliefs, so I was very surprised to find out, um, you know, that it was this liberal party. Now, the other surprise is, you know, sort of, and I think this is changing even as we speak, he's not completely going down the road of complete denial of climate change. Given the horrendous fire scenarios that are happening in Australia right now, his denial is a bit mind-boggling. Given, given a stance uh, with Scorpio Moon doesn't make sense either because it is very in touch with the realities of survival. 
Amun and Sag can be just endlessly optimistic. Okay, so what other piece that's so interesting about his chart is the fact that his sun is at 22 degrees of Taurus, which will be triggered by the big Saturn-Pluto conjunction on the 12th. Um, and by Mars-Jupiter in Capricorn at uh, 22 degrees as well. Now, and that's March 19th of the upcoming year, and then Pluto will also station at uh, 22 degrees of Capricorn in October, which will put you all back to Australia being in its fire season again. Now, this Capricorn action is a trine. Will it support him or not? Now, um, as... Yeah, right now I am seeing through, you know, the different news feeds coming through on the internet that he is being majorly rebuffed by the folks that are suffering through these fires. Uh, people don't even want to shake his hand or even talk to him. So ah, I'm thinking the trine is not going to be helpful for this guy. Now, the other piece that as I was coming into this uh, writing this, and I do most of my writing on Fridays, uh, for my show. Of course, we had this <laughs> amazingly idiotic performance by the U.S. Oh, did I say it that way? I did. <laughs> I have, as they say at the start of the show, my opinions are not those of the members of the board of this radio station. Anyway. Okay, so what I want to call your attention to, and not that this happens to me very often, but it did this time. In the news, as you know, in my section, not in the news, but in my section that wears that moon, okay, I wrote for the Thursday, Friday. Um, okay, so I am going to go back over that, but why? Because the U.S. made, an, in my opinion, illegal strike into Iran, killing their top general. Um, and so what I had said for Thursday, which was, I think, when the strike actually happened, um, Aries Moon for back to work and first up is Mercury conjunct Jupiter, the boss, will speak, laying out agenda for a day, a week, a year. The reaction will be fiery, lasting all day. If you do not like confrontation, I recommend finding a bunker to hide in. <laughs> Not entirely prophetic, but close. Um, so, you know, think U.S. starting a war? Come on, really. Friday the 3rd, yesterday, I wrote, Overnight Mars ingressed into Sagittarius and the fireworks of yesterday turns righteous. And with squares from Aries Moon, do not let up until 5 p.m. And that was last night. The world is reacting as I write this, and I think everyone should pause, please. Iran has backup from China and Russia, and looming large, of course, is this Saturn-Pluto conjunction next week, which was happening when we got involved in the First World War. So I thought, okay, I need to look at the U.S. chart. And the chart that I am going to be using for this is the Sybil chart, which um, there are still Lots of debate about which chart to use for the U.S. Um, and so the Sybil chart seems to be the, the most common one that's used. Okay, so what I'm looking for, obviously, is are, are there any 
uh, cardinal signs at 22 degrees for that Saturn-Pluto thing. And the first thing you note is, oh my God, <laughs> they have Pluto in Capricorn, but it's not yet 22 degrees. Okay, so we can all breathe for a moment or two. Um, that conjunction will come up. Uh, all right, I should give the chart details. So it's July the 4th, 1776, 510 p.m., Philadelphia, PA, Pennsylvania. Um, and, okay, so that conjunction will happen in the second house where the U.S. chart, um, its Pluto is at 27 degrees. Now, it will catch up to it. I thought I wrote this down. Anyway, I think it's in 2022 when Pluto actually makes its return. Um, but in the meantime, what is at 22 degrees is Neptune in the 10th house. And uh, so it's like, what is the vision? What is the um, divine right that they seem to think they have in order to just be able to unilaterally assassinate somebody? You know, Neptune, Virgo, 10th house, not a good thing. Not a good thing. Now, that Neptune itself is squared by their Mars, which is in the seventh house. Uh, but that aspect is, uh, in Hellenistic terms, it's not acknowledged. Um, if we take it from a mar modern point of view, it would be the 150 degree aspect to the conjunction on next Sunday. Um, the in conjunct and that I usually would say in the past is a damned if you do damned if you don't um, which is not a comforting thing at all I'm Joanne shaking her head too going ah. <laughs> oh, God. these things we have to deal with yeah. okay um, yeah. where uh, yeah and the and the part that I was unaware of that uh, someone brought me up to speed with is the fact that Iran has the backing of China and Russia. And, uh, you know, the U.S. still seems to think that it's it's the dominant power. But, um, yeah, let's hope this does not lead to anything stupid. Okay, so now I do have, I have 23 minutes. And so... I am going to introduce you to another way to look at your upcoming year uh, in terms of what's personally going to happen for yourself. And in um, astrological forecasting, on a personal level, we have techniques that mimic the idea of a DNA code. And in modern times, um, we are using what are called solar arc directions or secondary progressions. Now, both these techniques involve seeing subsequent days following your birth as standing in for a year. So, let's say you were born on January the 1st. January 2nd would be the start of your first year. January 3rd would be the start of your second year, and so on. Now, this method takes the movement each day and you create a new chart. Now, the moon who can move as much as 13 degrees in one day will obviously have formed new aspects in your chart, while others may never move far enough to make a difference. But over the course of a life, there can be significant changes in the chart. This method is called secondary progressions. Second method takes 
literal movement of the sun in one 24-hour period and applies that to all the planets in your chart. So if you are 25 today, you would add approximately 25 degrees to all your planets equally. You then see if these new positions make aspects to the original chart. These are called solar arc directions. So obviously this um, presents a very personal set of conditions. And it's, I often liken it to the unfolding, right? Personality unfolding. Uh, now either method requires some math, uh, but the ancients had a method that was very easy to use. Now, as I have just started using this new technique myself, I cannot really say how good it is yet, but it looks promising. Now, this particular technique is called annual perfections, um, and it is at times like these when I wish I was a YouTube video, because <laughs> you can't see what I'm about to describe. Um, I do plan on putting up an example of uh, an annual perfection worksheet filled out um, because I do have one for, if I didn't, where is it? Where did I put it? No, 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 no. Oh, of course, I've got it mucked in with the rest of my sheets. Oh, there it is. Actually, I put it in order so I'd have it. I'm smarter than I thought. <laughs> and everybody hears. <laughs> Cracking up. That's good. Cracking up is good. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, I am going to, you know, attempt this. Um, yeah. So I, I recommend that if you don't already have your own sheet printed off from what I posted up on the website, um, that, you know, you just sort of listen through and then do that, print it off. Go to the podcast. You'll probably hit rewind several times to get through it. But the information I will have presented. So here's what happens. Um, okay, so the sheet has a series of nine columns, 12 rows. So a sheet of grid paper would work as an alternative. The first column, you write the order of the zodiacal signs, starting with your rising sign for an example. Okay, so Joanne can do this. She can follow along so that I don't get too carried away and go too fast. So, and I would, I would recommend that you use glyphs, which are the symbols, and you can see a list of Capricorn equals this symbol on any of the charts that I've posted on my website. Okay, so, uh, and I used Scott Morrison's chart, so, but let's use Joanne's. This will be way more fun. <laughs> okay, and she's going, okay, yeah, make me the sure. guinea pig. Okay, so she has Scorpio rising, so she would put the symbol of Scorpio, and next to that, she would put Mars, the symbol for Mars. Okay. <laughs> Below. Uh, okay, no, you put, you put Scorpio here and Mars next to it. Yeah. Okay, the next line down would obviously be Sag and Jupiter. So you're going down. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know my glyphs. Okay, so there Jupiter is. is like a letter four. Yeah. Okay, then you would go to Saturn is Capricorn. That's the next one. And then you get Aquarius, so it's Saturn again. 
then the next line down is Pisces, and that would be Jupiter again. Then you have Aries, so that would be Mars. Yeah. Then you have Taurus, so that would be Venus. Oops. Yeah. And then we have Gemini, that would be Mercury. Mercury is the guy with the little antlers yes. on top of the but Venus. Symbol. Am I at six or seven? I uh, think that I might... part, okay, so let's see. So Scorpio. Um, this should be Sagittarius. Yeah, yeah, so no, you're kind of. I messed it up. You messed it up. Darn. Okay. Darn. Anyway. Okay, so let's, here, let me, <laughs> let me just quickly <laughs> fix it for her. Okay, so Jupiter, this would be Capricorn. Yeah, so that's Aquarius, that's Pisces, that's Jupiter, then we have Aries, Mars, then we have Taurus, Venus, then we have Gemini, Mercury, then we have Cancer, Moon, Leo, Sun, uh, Virgo, Mercury, and Libra, Venus. So as you can see, what you do is you just, well, you can't see it, which is the unfortunate <laughs> part, <laughs> but that's what you do. So you put that down. Now, the next piece to do is to put the houses associated with it in that column. So for her, the first one is Mars. So Mars literally, so the first house, because it's in its own sign, and so the first house is is where the impacts will be. And the second one will be the sixth house. So you put one and the number two there. Then you go down to Sag. And so Jupiter is in the sixth house. So you put the sixth house again, but it rules two other signs. So that places emphasis on the second house and on the fifth house. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so now we go to Saturn, and Saturn is in Libra, so you put the 12th house, and then you also put the 3rd house and the 4th house, because Capricorn is on the 4th, and Aquarius is on the, or Capricorn's on the 3rd, and Aquarius is on the 4th, okay? So most of these places have more than one house that's mm -hmm. affected. Okay, so what does this matter? So the next place, so I'll let, I'll, you'll spend some time doing that. So how old are you? 67. And that was what, so you just 52. turned? 52. Yeah. So, 50. <laughs> so, and your birthday is when? March the 12th, 52. Okay, so, uh, and you're 67, right. So here you are. Okay, so that means you're in a Mercury annual perfection, which will change at your birth date to the next one. So Mercury rules, let's look at this. Mercury is the sixth house, because that's where he is. He also rules the eighth, and I can definitely hear my, my volume changing, and the 11th. Okay, so in the past year, from an annual perfection point of view, um, Emphasis has been on the sixth house. She's just gone through some <laughs> major owies with, in terms of health. <laughs> what did you broke? My arm. She broke Both her bones. Arm. Oh. <laughs> okay, so, and that Mercury also rules the eighth, which is a poopy house. Um, so do you have anything to do with deaths, inheritances, taxes, any emphasis like that? It's okay if you didn't. No. Good. 
<laughs> and the 11th house was groups and um, yeah, making connections and yeah. Making lots of new connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're very happy that the 8th did not get called into play. Yes, although her birthday has not come around yet. It will be changing to her moon. Okay, so her next annual perfection will be the moon, and it is in, in the 12th. That's not good, but anyway. <laughs> well, it can be. We can make it good, can't we, good. Joanne? It will be good. Exactly. Okay, so, and cancer rules the ninth. So, education. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm doing right now, getting an education. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is good. Okay, so that's how it works um, each year. And what's nice is if you fill in the years beside the numbers. So, uh, for instance, if I use Scott's chart, then the zero would be the year 68, the year he was born. Uh, number one would have the year 69, so age two was 1970, age three, 71. And my sheet allows it to go all the way up to 95. If you live beyond that, obviously you can continue the columns over further. But then you can historically look back um, to test out whether this particular uh, form of divination, because in a way that's what it is, whether or not it uh, plays out in a relatively accurate way, right? Because you can look at different, so there are other years here, right? Other ages in which Mercury was the annual perfection, mm -hmm. right? And see just how that works. Okay, so um, let's see now. I went through all the signs. So of course, now that you're here, it's gone way quicker. <laughs> Okay, so what's Scott's? Scott's, I thought, was quite interesting. So, and I will come back to what I've written. And so he is between his age 51 and 52. His birthday is in May, so he's still doing the 51. And 51 in his chart is Mars. So he's in a Mars annual perfection. Let me grab his chart. Yay, there we go. Okay, so this is what I wrote about that. Um, so this rules his fourth and his ninth and the eleventh. So, and it will change coming up shortly in May to a Jupiter year. Now in Scott's chart, he is a day chart, so that makes Mars a malefic, can cause problems. The condition of this Mars can be greatly improved by its position, and so it is. It's in a good house, number eleven. That's good. And it is with its domicile ruler. So who rules Gemini? That is Mercury, and Mercury is in Gemini. Uh, Mars, in turn, rules the ninth. Okay, so that pulls in Saturn, which is the other malefic. But in this particular case, um, that Mars is receiving a good trine from Jupiter. So it's not a badly placed Mars in Aries in the ninth. But I'm questioning whether or not it's actually been playing out in a good way for him. Um, okay, that Mars also rules the fourth house, uh, Scorpio. And normally, of course, if this is just a regular Joe's chart, um, I would think that, okay, this is about family, it, you know, a year in which family um, and your home would be, uh, you know, could receive some either good stuff or bad stuff, but it will be the focus. But of course, for him, 
this is about the country and the, co the country is literally doing a Scorpio meltdown uh, or burn down. And so that makes me wonder if that, if that does follow, if the leaders chart, and this is something back in the Hellenistic days, they did. They looked at the person who was the head of the country <clears throat> as carrying the, the load, so to speak, of that country. And so maybe this is an example of that um, because that uh, his Mars, which is his annual perfection at the moment, does rule that fourth house. I don't know. <clears throat> it may count. It may not. Uh, so what did I say about this? So it's about his communication, 11th, 11th house, Gemini, network locally and how well that works. Obviously him leaving town to go on holidays. There was a bad PR moment uh, while the place was burning down. Okay, so, and his MC in whole sign houses is in that 11th house. So if communication breaks down for him, um, the 11th house is no longer his friend, um, especially when it comes to his position out there. Okay, so now the ninth house, which is the other house that's uh, in focus, um, this is courage and pioneering needed to keep learning and expanding his horizons or the courage to defend his dogma beliefs and worldview. Uh, so he may find that rather than doubling down on uh, no climate change, that he's going to have to learn a little bit more about how climate change might just be real. Hello. <laughs> or not. Okay. Um, let's see now. The fourth house. Okay, again, I've already talked about that. And um, this is also... Um, you know, leads me with the Scorpio piece in there to death, which is, you know, the death toll, unfortunately, in Australia is starting to go up. And our hearts and prayers, etc., go out to the people down there who are in the middle of this mess. And hopefully Scott Morrison mobilizes uh, whatever uh, is required to support his people and that country at this time. Okay, so um, I am going to move on now. And this would be the time when I would pause for more questions. So, Joanne. <laughs> I don't have any. Oh, she doesn't have any questions. Oh, darn. That's okay. <laughs> Not a problem. Not a problem. But remember, it is possible for people to phone in and... Um, uh, ask questions. I am also looking for people who are game to be on the show. And Joanne, you are most welcome to come back. And, uh, you know, because I have lots of different topics which we could banter about on the show. Okay, but I will take this time now to do Where's That Moon? And of course, we're starting with today. Um, after that Aries nightmare of the last two days, we now have Moon in Taurus to start this weekend. Um, and it's perfectly time to enjoy the last of the Xmas break, just as my show comes to close. Uh, so just within the next few minutes, dun dun dun, Moon conjuncts Uranus. So, you know, no earthquakes please right now. Um, <laughs> I'm two stories up and in a very old building. Yeah, <laughs> okay. The The evening is all about snuggling with a friend, Moon Taurus, trine uh, a Capricorn Jupiter at seven degrees. Uh, 
Sunday, the 5th, the moon makes easy aspects all day today, trining Capricorn Mercury at uh, 7 in the morning at 12 degrees, then the sun at 1.30 at 15, and to end the day, a sextile to Neptune at 4.15 to keep you in denial about real life resuming tomorrow. And, you know, I wrote this before that whole Iranian thing happened. And, um, but, you know, if you can be with your denial, it's good, I guess. <laughs> Monday the 6th. Okay, Monday morning, it's still moon in Taurus. This should help ease us back into our routines. Uh, by supper time, uh, the moon shifts gears into Gemini. Uh, that's at 610. The pace of life, of course, picks up speed, or maybe not, because in the background, the sun is making a sextile to Neptune at 1022 p.m. tonight. So let the dreams of 2020 continue, slash nightmares. I don't know. It depends on where you are. I, my heart goes out to our troops who are in the Middle East after this insanity from the US. Um, let's keep them safe. Okay, January the 7th, Moon in Gemini connects to nobody. This is unusual. So the planet, the degrees of most of the planet, the rest of the planets besides the Moon obviously, are all in late degrees of the signs that they're in. And so, yeah, there's no aspects today, which is an unusual thing. But Mercury is catching up to Neptune overnight tonight. I vote this is a pleasant day, but likely a bit surreal as coming in strong is that big conjunction, Saturn-Pluto on the 12th. Uh, January the 8th, Wednesday, Moon is still in Gemini, only makes one aspect, and that is to Venus at 2 p.m. at 24 degrees Aquarius. Makes me wonder on an international level, who is aligning with who? in this current USA started crisis. On a personal day level, this should be an easy day. Uh, Thursday the 9th, overnight the moon moved into Cancer, a time of personal caretaking. The moon aspects Jupiter by opposition, 4 p.m. today. Can you and another find common ground that supports both? On a personal international level, let's hope so. Uh, Friday the 10th, our last eclipse in Cancer Capricorn axis with Mercury in attendance happens at 11.21 a.m. This amplifies the conjunction on Sunday between Saturn-Pluto. Joining the party is Uranus, who is stationing at 2 degrees of Taurus. The art of astrology is being able to shift focus from the close-up what's happening today to drawing back and seeing the big, big picture which takes in years. One could easily get carried away with the symbolism of today with the big conjunction on Sunday. Pulling back projects that people start started with, okay so I'm looking at a more personal level not this really big picture. Uh, the last new moon eclipse was on December the 25th you get to see just how well your intentions are manifesting from that point. With Uranus station, those with very early degrees in fixed signs, zero to two, will breathe a sigh of relief after this week. The shakeup you've been experiencing over the past year will be over, I guarantee. Have to live another 84 years to get it again. 
The day in general is all about meaningful compromise as the moon opposes all the planets in Capricorn. So next week, coming up, oof, I'm kind of nervous about what the news is going to bring. Anyway, uh, so Saturday next week, uh, the moon moves into the drama of Leo. My hope is that uh, the moon square Uranus at 9 a.m., creating shockwaves from that stationed planet. I recommend sleeping in. <laughs> yeah, like don't get up early next Saturday. Next up at trying to Mars, be physical. This is a get-her-done kind of energy with a flare. And wow, I am done. Oh, and I'm down to one minute. Oh, so remember, you can re-listen to this episode and any other episode up on my website at www.cardinalastrology.ca. And um, remember, you have been listening to Astrology Today on CJMP 9. This is a rebroadcast of my radio show, Astrology Today, which aired on CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station.